She goes. Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this fine nation. And uh, yes, it looks like I am sitting in a tent, uh, but I'm not. But it's, it's a great, it's not a virtual background either. It's actually the background of the hotel room that I am in today. And I'm coming to you live from Scottsdale, Arizona. We were having some technical difficulties of getting Kay on the show right now. I know Brian is in the background um, trying to trying to figure it out, but we are trying to get Kay Goss um, onto the program. Um, so if you guys just sort of stand by with me for a couple of minutes here as I just talk about what we're getting into. And um, so, so basically what we're discussing today is well, the history of higher education in, 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 in emergency management and how Kay Goss was realistically the instrumental person in really pushing what we have today um, in emergency management education. Um, and I'm, as soon as she gets on, I'm, I'm going to be excited to, to really have this conversation. But let's, let's talk about Kay. So, so Kay Goss, she has a long history in government service education accreditation. And I think it's so true. It's like, she's just something that, that she got into FEMA um, as the whole direction of creating uh, what we see today um, as the standards for what emergency management higher education uh, really can be. Um, she still teaches and writes, and she's very active um, in the space, and she has not uh, just uh, gone away. And... Um, well, what's this mean, right? Today, there's been a lot of debate uh, regarding um, uh, regarding higher education um, and emergency management. And does um, emergency management, um, do you need to have a, a degree to be an emergency manager? And um, I, I don't, I don't think necessarily you need a degree in emergency management to be a good emergency manager. Um, I don't know um, the, the 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 best degree to get. <laughs> you know, if we start going down that, that path, uh, does it mean that uh, you know you get a degree in basket weaving? Does that count? Um, those are some of the debates that have been going around. What higher education does for you compared to say just on the job training? is it really gives you that round approach to what problems are, right? And it gets really deeper into critical thinking. Um, it gives you the ability to look at problems from all angles. Um, it gives you the ability to understand the different point of views from what other people have, and also the ability to um, I really espouse what's going on, um, you know, in, in the world. And on the other side of it, though, is, I mean, on the technical skills, could you learn those on the job? I'm sure you could, right? People have. Um, when you two people are like, yeah, you know, this person has been a qualified or a great emergency manager for many years. And uh, they, uh, however, uh, they haven't um, um, got a degree, right? So does that preclude them from, from getting the job. Well, I don't necessarily think that's the case either. Cause if you take a look at most job descriptions, it's, 
it's college degree or it's uh, time on the job doing ancillary or close to uh, the same thing. Now, let's explore this a little bit deeper, though, right? Um, if you have just the technical skills, right? And let's use medicine, for instance, right? You have somebody who is a great paramedic, right? Uh, it's gone above and beyond, learned a lot of things, read a lot of interesting um, books on health and care and, and medicine, um, and understands the technical skills of how to do things. Does that put them on par after, say, 30 years as a paramedic? Does that put them on par as the same as a medical doctor? Well, it doesn't, right? We, we all know this. And, and, and this isn't a hyperbole. Yes, you know. But the idea here is if you take a look at those two skills, one is skilled in the arts and craft of paramedicine, of pre-hospital medicine care, right? Uh, they are able to go and do great things and save lives um, and, and have a deep understanding of what medicine, how it acts with the body uh, and, and what it does, right? But do they have a deeper understanding of how the body works, right? Uh, do they have a deeper understanding of, um, of the theory behind um, what they're doing? Um, you know, possibly, you know, but does this still put them on par um, with a medical doctor? And, and those are some of the, the ideas here is that as a profession and we're moving forward, right? Having an understanding of what higher education does, right? Um, and we can argue back and forth of, you know, do you, should you have to take, I don't know, uh, quantum physics or something along the lines uh, because you have a math requirement or a science requirement uh, for your degree? Um, no, you, you know, uh, that doesn't really, um, that doesn't really work that, that way, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, you do have to have general education credits to go forward um, instead of just a certificate. Now, you can use certificate programs um, to enhance the education that you already have. So say, for instance, that you have a degree in basket weaving um, and you decided that you wanted to go into emergency management, you can get training in education and a certificate program, say, through uh, different universities uh, to be able to, um, uh, to make that happen and to be able to get a better sound fundamental understanding of the theory behind what you're doing. Uh, and that's, that's basically how higher education um, is working. And, and um, Carol, she puts in, she says, degrees will, um, are, will increasingly be part of the entry level into the field as we move forward. And that's, that's absolutely true, uh, Carol. And, and, and I agree with that. And, and I think that if we embrace that idea, right, of that's going to be the, um, the entry level into the field, then more and more people can get active um, into um, really picking that degree program that's good for them. Now, one of the issues that we have is, is regionalization, right? What I mean by that is if you are a student and you live in an area that doesn't have a program um, that, that you want to get involved with that offers emergency management degree, um, is it harder for you to do so? Well, 20 years ago, I would say, yeah, right? I mean, because you're going to be stuck with going to the college that's closest to you. Um, but today, you know, with online programs, I mean, and, and online programs, uh, I remember the, they used to have a stigma to them, right? Oh, you have an online degree. It's just like uh, basically saying that you got a, crack, you know, a, a, a crackerjack degree, right? Uh, but the idea here is, is that 
um, the online degrees today are just as robust and, and academically have the academic rigor behind them than going to classes, right? Um, some are better than others, so you have to take and weigh that. Uh, but at the same time is is that the programs are being developed to be delivered um, in an online environment. And we've all learned, especially since COVID, uh, moving programs that were traditionally in on ground in classroom classes to online degrees, uh, that the transition, you know, worked well and, and people were still able to finish uh, their degree. And Carol goes on, these opportunities were, were not available before, and we should view them as a platform for starting practices. Experiences will always be important. Um, and and uh, entering of degree holders is essential. And and I agree with that. My degree that I had, my, my education path, uh, was in public administration. Because when I started, there really wasn't an emergency management degree per se, or at least one in my area that I could, by regionalization, uh, in my area that I could I could partake in. So I think that public administration for me was a very well-rounded uh, degree as well. Um, I, I learned a lot from that, and a lot of the stuff that I'm using in emergency management today, um, when we when we look at things that are very important, um, are coming from public administration um, that. Um, uh, you wouldn't think of, right? So land use, for instance, which I, I harp on a lot, I, I think is one of those critical skills that we uh, may not be looking at close enough as emergency managers. Uh, and Houston's is a great example of when they allowed building um, in areas that were marked on the maps um, um, as reservoir, right? And so when they had the flooding in Houston, those areas that were marked as reservoir flooded. Right. Well, that's a big shocker for everybody. Right. But the idea of land use and emergency management really should go hand in hand um, as it goes. And George says, indeed, Carol, I would not um, also see a certificate program as being as being sta started GIS specific uh, finance, purchasing, urban planning um, are, are done operations. Yeah. And Jorge, that's exactly urban planning um, is the area that I focused in for my for my master's program. And um, so. So yeah, and I think those are those areas that we can uh, really take a take a deeper dive into to see uh, what does that mean and, and how does that really impact what we do as emergency managers. Now, today we have some really big issues, especially in the Southwest, um, with building in the urban wildland interface, and what how does that impact not just the people that are building their homes there right? Which is one thing, but it's also like, how does it impact us as emergency management? How does it impact the recovery aspect of it? Um, you know, what are the financial issues that are associated with it? Um, and what can we do to, what rules and regulations um, need to be in place, right? Um, as far as uh, when you're building there, um, those things we need to really explore, um, if any, right? Maybe we say, hey, you know, you build there at your own risk. And if your house burns down, we'll you know, it's between you and the insurance company. Uh, we're not going to help you out on the recovery side. Maybe that's the answer to that, right? Because we don't necessarily want to uh, take away the build, a person's right to build on their own property. Uh, but at the same time, as they build on their own property, should they be impacting um, the uh, the system uh, for the recovery, right? Those are some of the debates that we have to have and having a better understanding of land use and urban planning or um, environmental planning um, really comes in the key when you're having those conversations. So I know we're still having some, some issues with, um, 
with Carol, uh, with uh, Kay getting on. Um, if uh, Carol, I know you're listening. If you could give her a call and kind of hook her up with Brian, that would be great. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what's uh, happening, uh, but we're still working to get Kay on the program. Um, <laughs> live shows, we have to continue to go forward. Um, so, so um, yeah, so we are are looking. Those are some of the cool things that are happening um, on on the concept of higher education. And Carol goes in as ideally degrees give you uh, a sense of scope of the field and challenges in the work. It helps you develop a soft skills and impresses upon um, aspiring EMs the importance of the work uh, needed to be uh, needed to keep learning every day in practice. Sorry, I'm, I'm on a small screen today, so trying to with my glasses trying to read the small print. Uh, this is sometimes challenging, and and absolutely, I think that's the the key too. Too, you know, and and. You know, the education process um, does more than just you read the book, uh, you get some information out of it, you take a test. Um, that's, that's I agree with everybody who that's a terrible way. I mean, that's basically a correspondence course, right? Um, where the education process comes into play, where I think it's critical, is the connection between the classmates the, the, and, the, and the instructor and the institution. And then, like, how you can leverage those... Um, relationships to really build upon for your career, right? Um, you know, teaching at, at UCI and going through the certificate program over there uh, with students. Um, I, I'm connected with my students still um, and, and opportunities that they have. Um, I think, you know, helping them through that process and still connected with them years after they've gone through my course. So it's not just about having that one course and leaving. Right. And like anything else, um, that's a relationship that has to be built. Right. And it's what you put into it and and, and what you get out of it is what you put into it. Right. Um, and so I think most educators and, and I'll see if Carol agrees with me because you know she's been teaching for a long time as well, um, are, are happy uh, to work with students even after they've they've moved on uh, and graduated and, and to keep those connections going and, you know, to keep that relationship building. Um, because at the end of the day, we are in this profession when we teach uh, to, to help students uh, go forward. So those are some of the... Um, um, those are some of the things that we're talking about when it looks at, at higher education. You know, um, Lorena says, in our drive to make education a financial transaction, yeah, I understand that too, um, we are missing the importance of, of beneath of the traditional liberty. Li, li, yeah, you're right, the liberal degrees, right? Um, not the political sense, right? Uh, it gives you a model to use how to critically approach the issues that you'll um, professionally and personally as you move through time. Absolutely. And so the, the, and I'm going to paraphrase that a little bit more for those that uh, are, are listening and, and aren't reading, able to read her, her writing. It, it's the, the idea here is that um, when we take a look at – take away the transactional aspect of it, right? And there have been universities and colleges – uh, that are out there that be, it becomes a transactional idea. The, the student is the customer. Uh, they pay a fee. Uh, they go through a course and they get a, a grade. Uh, or, or, and then they, at the end of the day, they get a degree, right? And, I, you know, like I said, there are some programs that are better and worse than others that are out there. I'm not here to really talk about that part of it. But the idea is, is that a liberal education, 
and and not the political liberal education. The liberal education, as if you think about liberal arts, right, um, is realistically about personal growth and and like how you can learn to think and, and and interact. And and I think we've lost some of that as well. And there's some criticisms out there for education for higher education programs. I, I we we need to talk about that a little bit as well, right? You know, and and some of the programs are transactional, right? And and if we can move beyond the concept of transactional education, um, and maybe we can't at this point. I don't know. I mean, that's that's a deeper deeper conversation uh, than being prepared for today. Uh, but the the idea is is that um, uh, we we have to really look at at what we're doing, and this is why why I wish Kate. Um, was working through the problem it is on here is working through um, some of the uh, problems, those problems that we have um, at higher education and really improving programs. Right. And, and maybe we should look at the programs that are out there um, instead of adding onto programs, right. Maybe that's one way of looking at it and seeing what are the better ways to, to improve those and really uh, take a deeper dive into what's being offered. Right. Um, one of the things, and I know Carol doesn't agree with this necessarily, and, and I'm, I'm speaking a little bit out of turn. I'll let her chime in on the comments here. Um, but you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say standardization because that's that's a terrible way of looking at it, and I'm, I'm struggling with the word uh, that would really make sense for this. But the idea of having at least a, a baseline uh, of what programs are, because. You know, for instance, if you go to a program, if you want to get an emergency management degree and you go to a program that's really focusing on homeland security, is that really an emergency management degree? Well, I have a strong argument to say it's not, right? But if you go through a program, um, again, that's uh, a fire-based, for instance. Uh, there's a school out there that has a, P a PhD and they're saying it's an emergency management, but it's really a fire science degree. Um, is that really emergency management? Again, I have a strong argument to say it's not. Right. Um, but um, on the other hand, you know, do you tell them they can't call them emergency management degrees? You know, um, maybe. Right. And that's kind of where the higher education standards come in uh, through FEMA of saying this is what we think, you know, as an organization, the we, the collective we have come together and said, this is what comes into a program. And um and, and I think accreditation should be uh, kind of <laughs> Randy. Randy Collins says it's not explanation mark. Um, you know of that, Randy. And I'd like to hear you a little bit more on that if you could uh, lay into that. Now, Rand, Randy Collins, he has his uh, PhD in uh, in leadership uh, from USC and has been doing a lot of work on that side of it. And this is some of the, some of the conversations that we've had, but should we have a consistent understanding of what an emergency management degree is? Because if you take a look at accounting across the board, there isn't like this, uh, such a, Oh, maybe there is, maybe I'm wrong because I don't know all about accounting degrees, but is there this wide, uh, difference between accounting degrees, uh, from say Cal State Long Beach to an accounting degree at uh, Rutgers university, as far as like what is being taught. Right. Um, you know, there's other things that are at the school that are being taught. And then Carol says, uh, here's how we, we know a degree is, is not enough to work in. We're in a VUCA world. Yes. That require adaptability, strong networks, understanding of the dynamic systems uh, with, within work. And this requires development in the field. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Right. 
Uh, we are in a VUCA world. And I mean, our profession 100% is, is a VUCA um, issue, you know? Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, those are some of the problems, um, you know, and then, um, um, and, and so as, as we look at these, these issues that, that we're facing, you know, is, and then I'll put this out there to the group as well. If you can, if you want to chime in the chat, um, is emergency management education really keeping up with the times? Are we changing enough, um, as we see, uh, the VUCA world changing, right? Um, yeah, Randy's right. He goes, Randy says the discipline is also emerging. I, and that's, I agree with that hundred percent, you know, the discipline is changing and it's changing rapidly. Right. And, and so, um, that is, that, that's what's going on there. And, and, and like I said, are we changing enough? Are we moving that football down the field, you know, um, fast enough to, to, uh, to keep up with the game? You know, like I was saying before, you, know, we have the issue is sometimes our education programs are five to 10 years behind where, where the world is. And, and that kind of goes into what Carol was saying regarding VUCA. Elaine says each university, uh, would want students to get their version of according to the events through there's really not that much, but there's a difference between getting their version of what you're, of what their teaching philosophy is compared to, you know, completely changing the fundamentals of, of the conversation. You know, right. So for instance, if we're talking about incident command systems, right, it's just something basic. There's no like Rutgers incident command system versus, you know, full Cal State Fullerton's incident command system, right? It's the same, it's the same incident command system. Now there might be different ways of approach to teaching or, you know, um, taking tests or things like that. Right. But the fundamentals of the, of the content should be the same. Right. And I, and I think that's where, where, where we're at when we're saying, um, you, you know, if we're saying, Hey, look at, there is a, um, 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 a, d- a degree program, for instance, uh, that we're talking about here. It's, we call it emergency management, but 100% of the focus is on uh, fire operations. Uh, is that truly an emergency management degree, right? You know, um, I'm going to take a, a little bit of a, uh, a break here on, on the conversation just to kind of, of talk about some new stuff that's coming up technology-wise. Uh, one of the programs that I'm looking at using uh, here to be able here, to d- be- deliver uh, programs. It's called Bullhorn. Um, it is an app that you'd have to download if you want to participate, but we could do a little bit more cooler stuff with Bullhorn, if you will, uh, where we have uh, call-ins. Uh, so actually, you could actually pick up the phone, dial a number, and we could put you live on, on the air with us um, and a few other plat- uh, things like that on the platform. So what we're going to be doing here in the near future is switching to that platform as well, um, and but you'd have to download the Bullhorn app uh, it's in the link right here. Um, it's uh, www.bullhorn.fm. Uh, you'd find the show, uh, like it, follow it, and then you would uh, be able to participate um, in the show um, as it is. Um, hey, Brian, real quick, have we fixed the technical problems that we're having? Um, you can just put that in the chat um, as as well. Uh, so kind of moving forward uh, with this, Randy Collins comes in. He goes, the, the problem with the degree in EM is that there's, a, there's really an, an 
there's that. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed it up. The problem with a degree in EM is that to really understand EM, it does require experience. A CPA, using my example, uh, can come out of the college and, and bounce books with, and file taxes. An EM with a degree lays a foundation, but you have to have worked in the field to understand the various complexities of the field. And Randy, you're absolutely right. I, I do agree with you there. My my idea of using the CPA example is that what we have is this this huge difference in not even just the philosophy of what emergency management is necessarily, uh, but just like a vast difference in in what programs are saying is emergency management, right? Uh, it's almost like business continuity. Right, you use that terminology, business continuity, and what does that mean? Well, to the IT people, and even some of the techn- terminology that we that we're using right now, IT. If you look at IT, it means a complete different um, um, set of words, uh, you know, definitions than it does in the um, uh, in the field of of business continuity as as far as like keeping operations going uh, after a disaster. So that's kind of like the idea of, of what we're talking about. So um, there's a lot of good conversations going on here. Um, so Pamela says, uh, she, Randy agrees, she agrees with Randy that you need experience. However, I think some of the complexities to understand is working in other fields. Yeah, and that's a good question there too, is how do we transition uh, people that want to move from one field to the other? Right, without having a, a foundation of of education, right, or at least training, and and so say something, somebody public works, right, I think is a really good example. You know, people always think about fire and police, uh, but public works is another one that where they're actually or, or utilities, uh, those things that are those jobs where people are working in the field during the crisis, um, they have just as much as a the ability to transition over to. Uh, emergency management as, as as some of the first response um, agencies do. You know, um, but what standards do we look at when we're bringing people across disciplines um, into the field of emergency management? And I really think that using either, uh, that's a great example to be able to use a uh, certificate program, uh, say for UCI, uh, the certificate program that they have there, or there's other certificate programs out there as well, um, uh, doing that. Um, or into um, what we see as a formal education uh, with a degree. And um, I really do believe that having some formal education behind you um, is critical uh, to being a well-rounded, good emergency manager. Um, And, you know, again, I'd like to hear your comments uh, in the comment section. Uh, Tell me I'm wrong. And, and explain to me why, and we can go from there. I'm going to leave it with this last comment. And uh, Lorena says, uh, to get experience, you need to get a job, and we need a strong foundation, degrees, BA, AA, and then employers need to hire a continued education without experience and stop um, only courting first responder experience. As, absolutely. Uh, schools need to stop uh, pushing grad school to students without experience and they need to now they're over educated in debt and under experienced. And I could not agree with you more on that. We're going to leave the show with that note. Thank you so much for, uh, for ending it that way. Uh, Carol did have, have some stuff on the back end of it, but we're leaving it with Lauren's uh, uh, comment. And Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Uh, I know it was not what we expected, and sometimes as emergency managers, we have to be uh, semper gumby, always flexible. So until next time, please follow us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and also check out Bullhorn. Follow us there, and we're going to be doing some more interactive stuff on Bullhorn here in the near future. So until next week, everybody, please stay safe. Stay hydrated.